Hello, this is episode 280 and in it, I'm talking with Dylan Viviers, National Specification Manager from Wholesome, all about low carbon concrete. Now, concrete is one of those tricky materials as far as sustainability is concerned. It's super durable and long lasting. So from a longevity and performance point of view, it is a great performer and that can be an asset for its sustainability. However, concrete does have a high carbon footprint, largely due to its cement content as you'll hear more about in this episode. Even though cement only makes up 11% of the ingredients in concrete, it generates 80 to 90% of its carbon footprint. So what's super exciting about this conversation is that you'll learn about how much a company like Wholesome is actually doing to lower the carbon footprint of concrete with the creation of their eco-packed product. And you'll also learn how accessible it is for you doing your renovation or new build project to specify low carbon concrete like eco-packed for your project. And that in fact, it's pretty pointless for you to not specify low carbon concrete. Now, low carbon concrete is on its way to becoming the concrete that we use all the time. And I think that's absolutely amazing. If you'd like to grab a full transcript of this episode, plus information on the resources that we discuss, you can do that by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 280. That's the numbers two. Now, let's dive in. I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of country throughout Australia, and I recognise the continuing connection to lands, waters, skies and communities. I pay my respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to elders both past and present. If we haven't met before, I'm Amelia Lee. Based in northern New South Wales, Australia, I'm a wife, mum and architect, and I've worked in the architectural industry for over 27 years now. Having worked on over 250 projects, mainly residential family homes, as well as significantly renovating three homes of my own with my hubby, whilst our three kids were babies, toddlers and even older, I have a personal and professional understanding of the joy, challenges, stresses and excitement of making your family home a reality. In mid-2014, I started Undercover Architect, and it's an online business to help and teach homeowners like you how to get it right when designing, building and renovating your family home. Undercover Architect is all about giving you access to the industry knowledge and insights you need to avoid the mistakes and dramas that can cost you thousands, tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's about levelling the playing field so that the world of renovating and building doesn't seem so mysterious and you can be the active driver in your project, navigating it with know-how and confidence. Undercover Architect helps and teaches homeowners through this podcast, the website, and our online courses and programs, including my flagship program, Home Method. I truly believe that when you know the questions to ask, the steps to take, and the best way to create a home that works, feels great, and that you feel great in, you can enjoy the process of building and renovating, as well as the home that you move into at the end of this ambitious journey. Consider Undercover Architect your secret ally, whoever you're working with and whatever your location, your budget or your dreams. Grab access to my free online workshop, Your Project Plan, and learn super helpful information to save time, money and stress in your reno or new build. You can find it at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. That's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N. Now, let's get on to the episode. So before we jump into the conversation in this episode, let me share with you some background info about Dylan Viviers, National Specification Manager for Wholesome Australia. 
Having been in the construction industry for most of his career, initially as a carpenter, Dylan joined Wholesome approximately 15 years ago and he transitioned into the concrete division around seven years ago. And this was always a change that he wanted to make as he was fascinated by the versatility and durability of concrete and the various applications it can be used for. Dylan's passion for the environment, sustainability and the construction industry finally led him into his current role as National Specifications Manager, where he feels blessed with helping to educate our industry on Wholesome's low-carbon concrete solutions. Dylan adds, at Wholesome, we're taking responsibility for the impact our products have on the planet. We believe that greener living means creating solutions that deliver better outcomes for the environment, supported by data and backed up with science. Low-carbon concrete is just the beginning. Building sustainability is a choice made at every stage of the construction cycle. It's a vision you not only create for yourself, but one to be shared by future generations. Wholesome's Ecopact Concrete Range is driving a greener building future and demonstrates our ongoing commitment to reducing our industry's carbon footprint. So that gives you some good background on Wholesome and also Dylan's role. Let's jump more into learning about low-carbon concrete, its potential application for your project and what you need to know to be able to use it well. Remember also that I've got a free downloadable PDF transcript of this episode and links to loads of helpful resources that Dylan refers to and has shared with me. You can grab all of that by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 280. Well, Dylan, I am super excited to have you here on Undercover Architects podcast. We obviously connected after I saw you present uh, a workshop for the architectural industry online about Wholesome's Ecopact concrete and low carbon concrete in general. And it really piqued my interest. It's something I've been looking into and, and was fantastic to be able to connect with you so that I could bring you to the Undercover Architect community because you've got a huge amount of wisdom and knowledge to be able to share with them about how to go about thinking about this for their house and how, you know, all of the things that they might be contending with when discussing it with their teams. But before we dive into that, I'd love you just to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you actually became involved with Wholesome. Ah, okay. Yeah, look, first, thanks for having me. Um, I think I probably started with Wholesome about 15 years ago. Uh, prior to that, I was a carpenter, so still in the construction industry. Um, I actually joined Wholesome because um, my, I was building my own house and my neighbour actually we got to know each other um, and he asked me to join Wholesome. So, yeah, that's where I started. Um, started in the quarry industry first, way up in Townsville. Um, spent probably a good eight years up there working in the quarry side of things, understanding all the development through quarries, how that works, working with some of the major infrastructure projects and then transferred down to Brisbane um, to join the concrete team, which always piqued my interest and there was always the end, end goal to join con the concrete division within a wholesome. Um, and that came about because my son is actually was actually a cyclist and was part of the QAS team, so we had to relocate to Brisbane. But that was where this whole journey with concrete started for me and started off as an account manager, then moved into the precast, so specialising with high, not high risk, but high quality concrete where um, you're looking at the precast market segment and how we can make that better for our customers. And from there, two years ago, I was fortunate enough to float into this role, so National Specifications Manager for Wholesome, looking after our sustainable and decorative concrete. So it's all about, for me now, it's about educating the industry on what's out there, what's available, what changes the industry can make and, and how they can reduce the embodied carbon within their own builds, you know, from the first homeowner, all the way through to, you know, infrastructure projects, commercial, multi-residential. 
so it's exciting and and i think when you think concrete's just this gray stuff that goes hard it's it's really not there's so much science behind it and technology we've come so far in in such a probably a short space of time but it's it is it's, it's exciting yeah and so that's that's where i am now fantastic and I'm wondering, you know, you touched on it when you're speaking then about carbon and embodied energy. We've been talking a lot in the industry for quite some time about decarbonizing the sector. I actually remember I attended the American Institute of Architects conference in 2018 in New York and went to a presentation there where they showed a, uh, a, a series of graphs that just said if we were only going to focus on operational uh, energy, we weren't going to make 2030, 2050 targets. We needed to be focusing on the embodied energy in, in the projects that we were working on if we had half a chance of being able to meet those targets. Uh, you know, why are you seeing, you know, carbon and materials, carbon content, such a big part of that conversation in the construction industry right now? And, you know, in the conversations that you're having, obviously, with professionals that you're speaking to about the work that you do at Wholesome? Look, it's a great question. Absolutely amazing question. And it's one that every time I present, I talk to, because I think you're right, for so long, we focused on post-construction energy. Um, and there's been little to no focus up until probably I would say two years ago, within Australia anyway, um, on the actual building materials. But building materials account for 10 to 20% of all carbon emissions globally. So it is, it's a focus point that we need to really push and, and drive. And um, Australia, I think we're a bit behind Europe um, and we do a lot of work, Holson's um, global. So we get a lot of um, information passed through from our global organisation, but it is. We're at that point now where we've got to start understanding and making choices between conventional concrete or conventional materials and low carbon materials. And it's not just about the materials as well. It's also about on-site practice. What are you doing on site during the construction process to reduce your emissions? And I mean, that's out of Holson's control, but um, we do. The whole education process is, is talking to building materials that are available right now that are either low carbon or carbon neutral. Um, that can make a difference and, and help us to ultimately get to net zero by 2050. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because obviously we've done such a good job of the operational energy side of things. You know, we did focus on those for a really long time, obviously brought in all the energy efficiency star ratings, you know, a few decades ago, a couple of decades ago. And then, you know, we've been working to really create energy efficient homes, try and improve existing building stock. I know that in the public sector, the commercial sector, it's um, significantly more... I think there's an, a greater understanding, particularly by um, developers who are going to own the buildings, that the, reducing the running costs and things like that is in their interest financially. So there's they're incentivized to be able to improve the operational uh, the operational energy from that regard. But it is really exciting, like you say, to see okay, well, when we do see the the building materials contributing so much to global greenhouse emissions, what ground we can make when we do start to focus on this and and bring this into the conversation and you know I'm a big believer at Undercover Architect that everybody can do this one house at a time and that you know when we're building homes to last and we're building homes that are going to be around for decades the decisions that we make really do have the opportunity to, to positively impact the world that we live in and to um, you know I know that a lot of homeowners can feel well it's just my house and it can't make a dent but really when we think about how much building stock we're adding over the next 30 years uh, from a residential point of view, we can, we have the opportunity to make a significant um, contribution to improving uh, the issues around global greenhouse emissions and those kinds of things. 
I'm wondering, you can, you know, obviously you're, you're well-versed in concrete being in Wholesome and the work that you're doing at Wholesome. Can you take us right back to basics and just talk through concrete, you know, what's in it? Uh, what does it actually, you know, how's it produced? What does this mean for how it impacts its carbon footprint? Um, and what do people need to know about what concrete? Because like you say, we just think of it as this grey hard stuff, <laughs> but it's obviously made and it's been made very similarly for a very long time. How, you know, what do we need to know about how concrete gets put together and its carbon footprint overall? Yeah, great question. And uh, look, it's, I can only talk to Wholesome, obviously, but for us, the technology that we're doing right now is not something new to us. It's, we've been doing it for well over 15 years. What we have to try and do is re reduce the cement component within concrete because that's the, the main contributor. It's 80 to 90% of the carbon footprint within concrete. But it's only 11% of the total concrete makeup. So it's such a small portion, but 80 to 90% of the footprint. So what we do is reduce the cement and start to include industrial recycled byproducts like fly ash, glass burner slag, silica fumes, um, different admixtures to help make sure that we still maintain the performance because there would be no, there would be no, absolutely no point us going to market with a low carbon solution if it didn't work. Okay, mm -hmm. it's got to perform the same as conventional concrete. But like I said, that technology is not new. Wholesome have been doing it for well over 15 years. What is new is we can now say to you, okay, that concrete that's gone into your house slab has this much embodied carbon, which is this reduction from the base case. That's the exciting part. So we, we underwent that process back in 2017 to 2019. It took two years. Um, we did a full life cycle assessment on all the raw materials that went into our concrete across the country, every single concrete plant. That gave us the data to say, okay, this is our starting point. This is the embodied carbon within our conventional concrete right now. You can't make reductions unless you know what the starting point is. So that gave us that. Um, and from there, um, two years two years later, we launched EcoFact, which is their low carbon concrete. So what we've done is taken the information that we had on all the way and class mixes, and then started to reduce it further and further as much as we can. And that is through reducing the cement, looking at our aggregates. Um, how can we start to incorporate recycled aggregates into our concrete? Looking at manufactured sand as opposed to virgin sand, if you want to call it that, dredged up from river, riverways. All of those components make up concrete. And so you, you can't just focus on the cement. You've got to look at the aggregates. You've got to look at the sand. You've got to look at the admixtures uh, and the water. So all our concrete plants can do recycled water, which is amazing. But it's also about our third-party suppliers who supply our admixtures, supply the cement, supply the fly ash. What are they doing to drive sustainability? So Wholesome is very uh, adamant that we want companies to align with us who are travelling in the same direction. Um, and so we ask those questions as well. What are you guys doing? Do you have EPDs for your products? Um, and I think that's important to make sure that whole supply chain is driving in the right direction. Um, and it also comes down to logistics, you know, you've got to think about where are we supplying the concrete from, the furthest concrete plant away or the closest concrete plant. It's all emissions. So we take everything into account when, we, um, when we're trying to reduce our carbon footprint. Um, at the moment, uh, our EcoPack, which is our low carbon concrete, gets to a 30 to 60% reduction. Um, and in some parts of the country now, since we launched EcoPack in 2021, we're actually achieving up to a 70% reduction which is quite amazing to think that it there's is. only we only have 30% more to go 
until it's carbon neutral. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And I think this is a thing to understand about concrete. Obviously, you know, you, you touched on a few of those things. So when I looked at your presentation, you had this great pie chart that showed us, you know, how concrete was made up. So it's it's 26% sand. It's uh, the gravel or the crushed stone aggregate makes up 41%. Then you've got air, which is 6%. You've got water, which is 16%. And then cement, which is 11%. And that was the thing that blew me away when you said, oh, you know, the, the, even though the cement is only 11% of the concrete, it's the thing that makes up 80 to 90% of its carbon footprint. But I know that, you know, obviously there's a science about this in terms of um, playing with the different components and you start to sort of substitute things and what that does for the performance of the concrete, you know, how its strength, all of those kinds of things. With the the uh, low carbon uh, concrete, the wholesome makes the EcoPack that has that 30 um, to 60%, sometimes 70% reduction on its carbon footprint. Can you talk through the declaration processes and the other sort of certifications that you've had to go through to actually demonstrate that it's not just something? Because I think this is one of the challenges in the industry is that there's lots of you know, brands and lots of um, badges and things like that, that people put on their products. And then you can find that those badges are actually just in-house departments that have have verified the information there. And it's all a bit self-perpetuating in terms of what it actually means. So, but, um, you know, I know that Ecopact obviously has done something different. Can you talk through, you know, obviously, assessing that carbon footprint of original concrete, looking at what you could do to uh, reduce that in this newer product, and then what you had to do to actually demonstrate uh, and certify externally that Ecopack does what it says it does um, in terms of its performance. Yeah. Look, I guess the first point is all, all our concrete that goes out the gate meets the Australian standards and specification. So it ticks that box. I mean, from there, it was very much a matter, and I mentioned we went through that life cycle assessment on all the raw materials. That was back in 2017 to 2019. So we understood the carbon footprint of all our raw materials, and that was all done through EPD Australasia. So all ISO certified goes through a third-party verification process before anything is uploaded onto the onto EPDs. Now, an EPD, and what does EPD stand for? Yeah, good question. I keep forgetting <laughs> people don't know what that acronym is, but Environmental Product Declaration. So that's the document that says, okay, this 25 MPA concrete has an embodied carbon of this much. And it talks to different other points as well. That's amazing to think that now that's all publicly available for anyone to look at. So customers can now put EPDs, environmental product declarations, down for all concrete suppliers and compare the embodied carbon and pick the most sustainable. That was never thought of 10 years ago in the concrete industry which is amazing in itself. Um, you, you have the choice now to choose the most sustainable based on it's all third-party verified, it's uploaded, it's on um, ISO certified, the whole lot. To me, I think that's the biggest step the concrete industry has made to driving sustainability. The second point is we also got Climate Active Certification in 2020, which I forgot to mention earlier. Climate Active Certification means we now have the ability to be able to offer carbon neutral concrete. All climate active certified, uh, third party verified, everything's uploaded onto the internet as well for everyone to see, very transparent. Our our biggest thing for driving sustainability was to make sure we were 100% transparent about everything we do. There's a a lot of focus there out there now in the industry about greenwashing, that side of things, and we wanted to make sure that 
everything was above board and everyone had could access the documentation. With the Climate Active Certification, that allowed us to not only offer a low carbon solution, but also carbon neutral. You know, think about that just for one second. <laughs> carbon neutral concrete, like five years ago, you could never say that. You couldn't put those two words in the same sentence. But are carbon offsets the way of the future? Definitely not, but it's a step in the right direction. It's one step. And, and this isn't a journey that's just going to solve itself overnight. We've got to keep taking those one step, one step, one step to get to net zero by 2050. And I think our whole process around carbon neutral concrete is EcoPact and EcoPact Zero, so that's our low carbon and carbon neutral, they go hand in hand together. EcoPact Zero is a service basically, so that covers the carbon neutral offsets. Okay. What we do with those two mixes are exactly the same. What we do is we make sure we reduce the embodied carbon as much as we can without affecting performance. And then we offset the remaining embodied carbon within the concrete. That's how we get there. Um, when we talk about reducing the embodied carbon and the performance and all that side of things, concrete technology and innovation has come so far with the use of different admixtures. So we, we now have the ability to reduce the embodied carbon down to that 50, 60%. Still make sure that the, the durability, the workability, the set times, all of those are like to like with conventional concrete or as close to as possible. And that's through the additions of uh, admixtures, certain admixtures that help with that performance. And that's us also holding, I mentioned it, our, our third party suppliers to account. So our admixture suppliers, what are you guys doing? How can we improve on this? Um, you know, the precast market segment was probably the last market segment that we have ticked off in being able to supply um, because there's such a high performance required for that concrete. You know, they're looking for 18 MPA at 18 hours or 20 MPA at 18 hours. How can we reduce the embodied carbon or reduce the cement down as so much to achieve a 30% but then still maintain that performance? And it's through the use of admixtures and working with our technical teams and our customers to make sure we can perform that way. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, okay. So the, the climate, just to back up on a couple of those things. So the climate mm. active certification, are they a, an organization that basically uh, aligns you with then certified carbon offsetting schemes so that you basically then have the relationship and they manage the carbon offsetting that your product requires in order to be carbon neutral. Is that how that climate climate active yeah. Yeah, climate active certification is to make sure everything meets all the right standards, okay? So then from there, I mean, you know, the last lot of offsets we purchased were through Qantas. So Qantas playing that space, um, I think the, the offsets we purchased before were through South Pole. And what we do is we purchase our offsets in bulk. It's very hard when you think thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of cubic metres go out the gate every day. Um, to keep a track of where all that goes and then also to make sure those offsets are aligned or aligned with whatever yeah, ECOPAC zero the goes out the Data goes. management on that must be massive. <laughs> mm, it's huge, it's huge. And, and look, we reconcile at the end of every year. So we do a process where we'll pull all that together, all that information on all the ECOPAC zero that's gone out the gate. Um, that all gets submitted through to Climate Active who then go through all the data, verify it and then uh, it will provide us a certificate for 2022 to say, yep. This, you actually did what you said you were going to do. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. It's, yeah, it's a really interesting space. And I think it's, it's great that 
that there's somebody external auditing that you're actually, you know, not fudging the maths and, and you know, that, that somebody's working that through because I can imagine it's a massive amount of data to go through. So that's really great. So people can obviously choose the EcoPact product and know that they're getting a 30 to 60% or sometimes 70%, depending on obviously um, where the concrete's coming from physically in terms of being transported to them and those kinds of things uh, as a as a base choice. And then they can also choose to do the EcoPact Zero in terms of the full carbon offset. So we'll chat a bit more about the, you know, how it differs to, or, or if, it, if there are any differences to traditional concrete. But before I dive into that, I just wanted to ask, so obviously you mentioned, you know, things like the the precast obviously being sort of that last one through the gate in terms of understanding the performance. Um, I was, you know, listening to a podcast episode on 100 Climate Conversations that the Powerhouse Museum put out where there was a lady talking about the research that they'd done on aggregate and improving aggregate and the carbon, um, actually injecting carbon into the aggregate to make it be able to be better, to be stronger and that kind of stuff. Concrete's one of those things that we've just got used to it needing to do a specific job for a very long time. And, and when you want something that's going to last for decades, obviously the appetite to play around with the formulas and, and be an early adopter when you might not know for a few decades, if the thing's going to fail. And I can imagine particularly for government infrastructure and big public jobs where it's a lot of concrete and really large scale projects, there can be a lot of nervousness around being the ones to test these products in the field how has Wholesome actually gone about the physical act of, you know, sort of creating and testing these formulas to ensure that they are going to stand up to the test of time and perform to the expectations that people have over traditional concrete? Mm. No, great question. And and I guess it all goes back to this technology is not something we've only just started doing. So the last 15 years, we've been incorporating industrial recycled byproducts. So we've got a lot of data on it, um, a lot of history on that side of things. The data that we don't have a lot, no, I won't say don't have a lot on, but we, we gather data every time we pour um, is when we start to push the boundaries, when we look at 70% reduction, how do we get there? How do we test it? And look, we, we've had so many meetings with so many developers, architects, engineers who are very driven around sustainability. Um, I'm in the moment talking with um, an engineer from Robert Bird Group down in Victoria who wants to He's doing his own house and he wants to trial how can we get to 80 percent you can use my house as a case study it's those sorts of relationships and conversations that we we want someone to partner with we want um customers to get on board and with us with this journey and say try let's try that on our house or our project um i think the first multi-residential project that poured carbon neutral concrete was here in brisbane um through a developer called mosaic we did, we've done a lot of work with them over the years. Um, they're a very loyal and trusted customer of ours. And they were the first one to say, yep, let's do it. Let's go Ecopack Zero. Um, and that wasn't through any heartache or anything like that. We had representation on site for the first pour, second pour, third pour, making sure that we were monitoring the strengths, monitoring the performance of the concrete, um, and that it was doing everything that they wanted it to do. You know, you think about a 16-storey tower, this timeline, schedule, budgets, everything that has to be met. Um, and I can honestly, hand on heart, say the concrete didn't hold up any of those timelines. And, you know, we were able to do all the post-tension decks, all, all those levels, and still achieve the required strength at, 20, at um, 22 MPA at three days so that they could go to the next level. 
that's the sort of innovation and process that we do. It's, it's not just about saying to a customer, right, here's EcoPact, we'll leave you and, and if, you, if you don't like it, bad luck. We'll be there to support them. And our account management team work hard with our customers to make sure they're happy. And if there's any issues on site, we're there to sort that out and talk through it and, and work through the process of elimination. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, and I mean, that's the thing, any product like this, any material like this requires that opportunity to test it in the field. You can do, I mean, I look at companies that do accelerated testing and and, you know, you can do all sorts of things from a research and a lab kind of investigation point of view, but what is fun, and I remember doing it at Mervac, you know, when I worked there for seven years, there was lots of times where we wanted to actually be the first ones in the marketplace to use a particular product, or it was going to give us an opportunity to do something more in alignment with the company's values or give us um, a marketable edge, you know, in the, in the project. And so you would be really working very closely with the companies to test and to measure and to trial things before putting it into the actual project. And then you'd be putting it into the project with a lot of support from those suppliers and things like that. So it's great that you're working in partnership with these companies and people and that they're, you know, that they're providing opportunities to test the product even further. Yeah, Yeah, no, thank you. And I think, look, it is, the unknown is daunting to everyone. Um, You've got a concrete who has poured the same mix for the last 30 years he doesn't want to move away from it and, and there's hesitation. But if you can be there to hold the hand or step them through the process, um, have a try. Just try it once and, and, and let's work through it together. That's how we break these myths on sustainable concrete can't be used or I was here till midnight trying to finish it 10 years ago. But like I said, technology and innovations come so far. So we have to hop, stand up, put our hand up and say, yep, we're here to support you. We'll help you through the process, but trust in what we're doing because we do. Mm. Yeah, awesome. All right, let's get into some of the nuts and bolts of questions that I know homeowners will have about using this product for their project. So the first one is cost. Does the EcoPact cost more? And if it does, what are we looking at in terms of, you know, somebody doing a house slap? Yeah. Look, it's gen- and I'm talking, I'll probably talk very generalised here, but from a national perspective, each region is very different in their pricing structures due to raw material costs. But you're looking at between somewhere between five and eight dollars, five and seven dollars to go to EcoPack on top of conventional concrete. So, what does that mean for the average house? Add, it's less than this is maximum. Add four hundred dollars onto your total concrete supply, and you've got a low carbon concrete, or possibly yeah. even carbon neutrals. You know, yes, yeah. yeah, it's it's nothing. Some people yeah. change shower heads that cost more <laughs> than four hundred dollars, and you think you can really make a difference and you know, we talk about um, one residential slab and a driveway equates to eight cars off the road for a year. So for $400, each house can make a difference. It's yep. just trying to convince everyone. that. Yeah, that's fantastic. So um, is there any difference in EcoPack's strength or durability based on its comparison to regular concrete? Um, not in, definitely not for residential settings. Um, there, there could be in different applications outside of that when we talk infrastructure and very, very high, like 100 MPA, 80 MPA concrete, um, and we're working through that with, all the time. But from a residential, multi-residential, commercial perspective, no, definitely not. Um, we're finding in some cases the durability aspect is actually performing better than conventional concrete, which is great. Um, and that's because of the fly ash and the slag in the concrete. From set time, workability, placement, 
all of those things the average concrete are doing just a residential slab I, I honestly don't think they would even notice the difference if we supplied conventional concrete one day and then come back the next gotcha and that's it for part one of my conversation with Dylan. I hope you found that super helpful so far in learning more about concrete generally and how low-carbon low concrete has been developed and the specifics of Wholesome's low-carbon concrete product, EcoPact. Now, in the next episode, Dylan's going to share more on the details of where and how you can access EcoPact specifically and also what you generally need to know about specifying low-carbon concrete wherever you're located and whatever you're using. Even if you can't use Wholesome, you're going to want to learn more about this so that you can speak with your team about it for your project and you've got the right terminology and the things that you know that you need to check so you can be really across that. And we're going to dive into some of the common questions that exist about low carbon concrete as well. It was really fascinating actually because I first heard Dylan talk on an architectural presentation. I watched architects firing a bunch of questions at him which was really great to be able to gather up those and be able to ask him those questions myself so that you could get the benefit of those answers as well. They're all questions I knew I had about low carbon concrete so it's really great to be able to share this with you. Now, remember, you can access a free downloadable PDF transcript of this episode, plus a link to a bunch of resources that Dylan has shared. You can get all of that by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 280. That's the numbers 280. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye. Just a reminder, all content on this podcast is provided by Undercover Architect for reference purposes and as general guidance. It does not take into account specific circumstances and should not be relied on in that way. You should seek independent verification or advice before relying on this content in any circumstances, including but not limited to circumstances where loss and damage may result. The views and opinions of any guests on the podcast are solely their own and may not reflect the views of Undercover Architect. Undercover Architect endeavours to publish content that is accurate at the time it is published, but does not accept responsibility for content that may or has become inaccurate over time. Thank you.